Welcome to What's Up Wednesday. In these short episodes, I will summarize a recent study or journal article related to obesity management and discuss how to incorporate this latest science into your clinical practice. And of course, I'll be sure to include links to the articles in the show notes. So let's jump in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of What's Up Wednesday. My name is Carly Burridge, and I'm the founder and owner of Gaining Health. And today we are going to discuss another recent article from the Obesity Journal. This one is from the May edition of 2021. And the title of this research article is Pharmacotherapies for Post-Bariatric Weight Regain, Real-World Comparative Outcomes. And this was a study by Gazda et al. And this was a retrospective analysis of 207 individuals at one center in Dallas who were treated for post-bariatric surgery weight regain between the years of 2014 to 2019. And what they looked at was the percent total body weight loss at three, six, nine, and 12 months. And they compared either intensive lifestyle modification only to um, intensive lifestyle modification plus a non-GLP-1 pharmacotherapy for weight loss. And then the third group was GLP-1 agonist pharmacotherapy, who also received the intensive lifestyle modification. So just so we kind of understand which medications they were using in the various groups, obviously the first group was just intensive lifestyle, no medication. The second group were medications um, in the non-GLP-1 group, and those medications included anything from Orlistat to Pyramate to Pyramate Extended Release, Phentermine or Phentermine in combination with Propyramate, List Dexamphetamine or Vyvanse, um, Bupropion alone, Naltrexone alone, or the combination of Bupropion Naltrexone, also known as Contrave. And at this time, their um, Lorcasserin or Belvic and Lorcasserin. Lorcasterin XL were still on the market. So those are no longer on the market, but they were um, when this study was being done. And so those were also included in the study. And then for the GLP-1 agonist groups, that included all GLP-1s available. So it wasn't just limited to liraglutide 3.0 or Sexenda, which is, of course, was at the time the only GLP-1 that was approved for obesity specifically. Of course, now we recently have semaglutide 2.4 or Rigovi that is now on the market for obesity. But of course, this was before um, Sema 2.4 came out. So they really looked at all of the GLP-1s, not just um, loraglutide 3.0. And so what they found was that at all of the time frames, the percent total body weight loss was significantly greater for both of the groups that used pharmacotherapy compared to the in- intensive lifestyle modification alone, but the GLP-1 agonist group had significantly more weight loss. Um, and so the difference at nine months was, it was about a 1.6% total body weight loss for the intensive lifestyle modification alone versus 5.6% for the non-GLP-1 pharmacotherapy versus 6.9% total body weight loss with the GLP-1 agonist group. And what's interesting too, is a lot of the people that were in the GLP-1 agonist group were people with diabetes. And those tend to be people that lose less weight with pharmacotherapy and any weight loss um, treatment. So it was interesting that despite the fact that there were more people with diabetes 
in that group, they still had the greatest weight loss. So their conclusion was that GLP-1-based therapies were more effective than the non-GLP-1-based therapies or intensive lifestyle modification alone. And this was regardless of which bariatric procedure was performed. So even though we see GLP-1 go up significantly after a roux-en-wide gastric bypass, they still saw that adding a GLP-1 was still beneficial. And part of that might just be because the GLP-1 that's naturally produced in the intestines breaks down so quickly. Uh, and the GLP-1s that we use for medications um, stay around a lot longer and therefore can cross the blood-brain barrier better and have a better impact on satiety. So this is an important finding because there have been studies that have looked at this previously. Notably, there was a fairly large retrospective study of over 300 patients by Fatima Cody Stanford, where um, they looked at 15 different types of anti-obesity medications that were being used in these post-bariatric surgery patients. And they found that only topiramate was associated with significant weight loss. However, you know, that study is, you know, a few years ago now, and in their study, a lot of the newer GLP-1s were not being used and only less than 15% of patients in that study actually received GLP-1s. And none of that included GLP-1s like semaglutide. So again, as new medications come out, it's important that we're studying this, that we're seeing the impact on patients and also in post-bariatric surgery patients. And so we need more studies like this, especially as new medications are coming out. It helps us to perhaps choose the right medication for patients or at least know where to start out. And then, of course, we always want to individualize it and actually see how the patient does, make sure that it's effective for that patient. And we need more larger multi-center studies to look at this, but you know, it certainly does add to the data that we need to help optimize patient care. So I think the last takeaway for this is that we have to remember that bariatric surgery is not a cure. And for a lot of patients, they feel like once they've had bariatric surgery, you know, that's the big guns and they shouldn't need anything else after that. But the truth is that many, many patients do experience weight regain, especially after, you know, year two and beyond that first year, year and a half, that honeymoon phase, most patients are losing weight and doing well. But we know that the effects of surgery wear off over time. The hormonal effects, the physiologic effects of those surgeries do wear off over time. And we can see the appetite start to come back and we can see some of these metabolic complications start to come back. So it's important that we help patients recognize that if they experience weight regain, that's not a failure on their part. They didn't fail the surgery. It just simply highlights the complexity and chronicity of obesity. And just because they had a surgery, it doesn't mean that they're not a candidate for other therapies, including pharmacotherapy and other things. So, you know, we really need to start thinking about obesity and talking about this with our patients like we would, for instance, with, you know, with cancer treatment. So if a patient undergoes treatment for cancer and the cancer returns, you know, we don't blame the patient. We don't say that they failed their surgery. It's just, it's a complex disease state and, and obesity is the same way. So. It's important that we have long-term, compassionate, multidisciplinary care for our patients with obesity. And I think this study just helps give us more information on how we can optimize our care for our patients. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gaining Health Podcast. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you really liked it, consider supporting us on Patreon. 
Lastly, if you need resources and tools to help you start an obesity management program, be sure to check out gaininghealth.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Gaining Health Podcast.